So welcome everyone to another episode of EMA Cast. I'm Michael Briggs, the head of engagement here at EMA. Forgot my own name then. And I'm here with the lovely Sarah Kaunter, who is the um, People and Culture Director with Corey's Electrical. And they're a, they're a huge national um, outfit really, and they provide to electrical contractors, um, government, and sort of the big end of town. Is that correct? Yes, we've yeah. got a lot of we've got a lot of smaller customers as well, but we've certainly got the the full range from from very large, you know, as you say, government uh, contracts to the very small man in the van type of type of thing, Brilliant. or person in the van. <laughs> and how many um, how many staff do you think would would it cover the company? So we've got uh, currently about uh, just short of 300. Wow. Um, it does flex up and down a little bit. We yep. use a group of casuals, as I'm sure m- many organisations are doing, particularly in these uh, somewhat tough economic and, and labour-tight times. Yes. So we've got, um, yeah, we've got a group of casuals that we use on the, on the as-and-when basis, and sometimes we use fixed-term as well. Broadly speaking, our permanent base would be about 280, 290, something wow. like that. And we've got a head office support plus across the country. So we cover from Kerry, Kerry, um, all the way through the country up to to Invercargill. Brilliant. Look, I really want to get into how you help, how you manage such a diverse, um, even geographic workforce yeah. apart from anything mm. else. So we will get into that. Mm-hmm. But th- this is a, a bit of a um, series that we're doing with our esteemed board members. Yeah. And you came on with the board last year, um, I November, I think it was. We, yes, that's right. Which, and we we're lucky to have you. And mm-hmm. um, s- since that time, um, we just want to get into a bit about your past work history yes. and a bit about the future of, of work in the modern workplace. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start, though, with a little bit of background about you, <laughs> which I got wrong earlier today. <laughs> uh, but Sarah got her um, postgrad diploma in HR from the University of Northampton. That's right. And for those who don't know, in the UK, that is located somewhere around. It's right bang smack in the middle of the country. It is it, okay. It, it, it probably couldn't be any more central. And actually, for those who are who may be royalty buffs, it's about five miles from Princess Diana's ancestral home. Wow. So there's uh, yeah. Okay. So that's my wee royal connection. That's it though, as far as it goes. <laughs> I have nothing else. So is the closest major city Birmingham? Um, Birmingham and London, so uh, equidistant, so 50 miles, 50 miles Brilliant. either direction, so one south, one one north. Yep. Okay, yep. and unlike New Zealand, there's a public transport system that will get you there quickly. There is. So I'm not going to gr- go there. At great cost, though, I just oh, like to oh, throw okay. in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. I guess it always comes as a cost. I mean, look, and you, before Corey's, you, you were um, HR management in some big companies, including Burger King and Placemakers, yep. so you've, you've, you've done your hard yards in this industry. I have. I have indeed, yes. And previous to Cora's, I was with Sky City for about three years. um, And there was every crisis, as you can imagine, um, during my time at Sky City. um, My first three weeks in the company, we had a fire, which you may remember. Yes, I do. If you're an Auckland-based person, um, you'll remember the fire because it kind of closed the city down for a wee while with all the toxic smoke. Um, So that was my first crisis at uh, Sky City, but certainly not my last. Wow. Um, So we progressed through pandemics and, and various other things there as well. I can imagine that. That's a tough gig. I'm just mm. on, on the side, I worked for corrections for um, a short time as a okay. media manager. And mm. uh, the, the first day I walked into the office, someone had chained themselves to my desk in protest 
So that was my first day. Gosh. Was that a prisoner or, or uh, another no, staff it was a, member? It was, a, it was someone um, <laughs> representing a prisoner group inside. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, not as bad as a fire, but I thought it was pretty bad. <laughs> no, gosh, yes, that's pretty bad. <laughs> but I mean, this is the beauty, beautiful thing. Now, these experiences are what what we can share with our members, and, mm. and can't do much about a fire, but we can certainly no. talk about crisis management, yep. which I do want Absolutely. to get into. Absolutely. But look, I want to start, Sarah, if I can. Can Can you remember your first job? Um, what was it? What were the working conditions like back then? So my first job in, in in HR, I can clearly remember. But prior to that, I actually had no plan and no real job. Um, so I'd spent a lot of time travelling. And okay. I was, you know, I recall as a 18-year-old saying to my parents, I'm just going to travel for a bit. And I went off and did various things. I picked grapes. I worked as a nanny. I worked in various hospitality outlets across Europe and also Australia. I never quite made it to New Zealand in the t- at the time. After sort of four and a half, five years, I recall coming back and my mum said to me, do you think you should get a proper job? <laughs> and I sort of ummed and ahed about proper, you know, what was this proper job kind of kind of thing. At that same time, I landed a temp role in, um, in an HR department okay. in a distribution company. And I thought, oh, this is quite interesting. And I really enjoyed it. I absolutely uh, got to do all the very basic jobs. I was the coordinator. I did everything. I counted up manual clock cards, which (laughs) back in the day, there was no computerization. So did all the filing, did all sorts of, you know, sort of the drudgery kind of things. But I absolutely loved it. Stayed in that company for seven years and they progressed me through my uh, post-grad kind of degree and stuff. They they supported me through that. So I really enjoyed it. And that's it was sheer chance that I found my thing. Wow. You know, because I, I, I lucked in there, but also I had a great boss, you know, yes. and you, 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 you can never, you know, have too great a boss, really. And I was very, very fortunate that I had that person um, really supporting me all the way through. So, Brilliant. you know, it was, well, it was a great entrance to HR. For sure. And you must be good at what you do, looking at the, the positions you've had. But you, you walked in with a, with some attributes and, and uh, a passion, I guess, or a, a discovered passion for this role. Yeah. And then they helped you train and get the skills you need, Absolutely. which I think that's going to be far more prevalent going forward for the for the modern yep. workplace yeah absolutely yeah. and i think as i as i've got older i've realized that all that travel which i'm sure my parents thought was a complete waste of time really prepared me for a for a career in hr because i worked with all kinds of people in all different situations often i couldn't speak the language right you know we didn't have a, a common language you know and we had to work out what we needed to do when we needed to do it and all of that and much of it was customer service roles right. so much of it was about pleasing pleasing the customer so i think i learned a huge amount you know from from all of that kind of um you know different cultures that i experienced okay Hmm. that's great and so can you give us a quick rundown where do where have you been in the world so i've been (laughs) i've been to quite a few places um i've i've worked in france picking grapes which was great so my friend and i and 160 french people um (laughs) picked grapes um at chateau petrousse which is a really nice wine um so i worked there for for quite some time very hard work six and a half days a week but they gave you wine for morning tea so you know how bad could it be um and i also worked as an au pair um slash nanny in brussels um in belgium so that was a, a great experience and they're they they speak both french and flemish in in brussels yes. but if you speak to them in french which i i did used to speak french my french is appalling now um they would pick up my accent and immediately answer me in english wow. which was always frustrating because i wanted to practice my french but that was <laughs> that was a great experience and again um met lots of people from from all over the place um when i went to travel around um australia i worked in various offices that's when i started this kind of temp 
kind of career and, and had a great time and, you know, okay. travelled a lot. Also spent some time actually travelling around Australia. So I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, right. they're just a few of the places. I won't bore you with the whole list. <laughs> okay. But it, it is it's all relevant because um, yeah. just that diversity. And I know even with the diverse um, locations of, of Corey's, that, that's some of the skills hopefully you learned back then yeah. are, are transferable, which yeah, is a beautiful sure. thing. For sure. So it, it sort of supersedes my next question, which mm. is, is this where you thought you'd end up in a career? Because it obviously isn't. You had no clue until... <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, absolutely not. I didn't actually know what I wanted to do. Mm. I think when I was much younger, I just travel was just my thing. I just wanted to, to go and experience different places and cultures. And I think I've achieved you know achieved yes. that, you know certainly, and, I, and now don't live in my home country, if you like, which, I, which was always something that I think was going to happen to me. I was always going to live elsewhere. Yes. Um, but yeah, I've certainly enjoyed my career in HR um, today and I, I'm still enjoying it and there's still a lot to learn and still a lot to give and you know all of those all of those kind of things so Brilliant. yeah and you learn something different from everywhere you work yes you know you can just imagine and with with HR as an industry mm. have you seen that evolve and change in your time oh my gosh yes so much so much even um, I mean I've been in New Zealand for 20 years but even in those 20 years it's changed you know, really has changed significantly. I think the change started when I was in the UK and working, you know, it went, um, you know, it became um, the thing to have the HRIS system. And I was the temp sitting there doing all the okay. transferring files over and all of that that kind of stuff. So I think the technology changes have been huge for for HR and I think they'll continue to be. Yes. You know, I think this will, will continue. I think it's the right thing and I think it's a, um, a real opportunity for HR professionals to really um, grab hold of that technology technology and use what is the right thing not all of it's going to be great yeah. but but a lot of it is going to be incredibly useful okay. and it builds your um credibility i suppose as an hr professional with the data and all of that kind of stuff you know before it would take forever to pull a report together and now it's you know kind of at your fingertips with yes. you know bi and all of that kind of stuff so so i think that's um the major change i think one of the other things as well is is there's a lot more knowledge around mm. you know people in general have more knowledge about their their rights, if you like, or, or or about what they can can do, what they can't do, what employers can do, can't do, yes. and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that's really interesting, okay, um, and really quite helpful a lot of the time. Sometimes when they've got it slightly <laughs> wrong, not so helpful, um, but that's okay. We work through. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. But but I mean, HR is such a broad range of of things that you do now. We've got a lot of small to medium enterprises, yeah. you know, less than ten employees, and they mm. can't afford an HR department. Mm. What do, what do you think are some of the key things in an HR from an HR perspective they should be getting right just just to make their company safe, secure, and and a company that's attractive? Yep. So one of my possibly my teams would say most boring things, but <laughs> essential things is always have your policies right, have your contracts right, have your policies right. They are absolutely your foundations. Okay. So you cannot build any kind of a house without really good foundations. And, you know, as, as boring as it can sound, if you haven't got the right policies or up-to-date policies, your contracts aren't right, you know, it's you're always going to have a problem, you know, because somebody will raise something. So yes. so I do think that's that's really essential. Um, and, and particularly, a, you know, a couple of my last big employees, you'd think it would all be you know, ticked off, but you know, you still needed to go through and review and make sure they're on a cycle and all of the, all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, to ensure that um, you know, and things change and evolve all the time. We've got change coming up. Um, I think this week to the um, personal grievance um, kind oh, of yes. legislation. You know, that kind of stuff. So yep. you kind of have to go right. Okay, what do we need to change? When do we need to change it? What cycle does that need to be on for review, etc. So some of those essential things. Um, you know, so they they are some of the absolute essential things to mm -hmm. have. In 
mm. place. The other piece is always have one source of truth. So I'm a massive fan of one source of truth okay. for your data. So whether that's your pay, whatever employee data you're trying to pull, you have your one source of truth rather than people pulling things from different kind of systems and things. So I think Very it's really nice. key. Okay, yeah, that's to have those, good those things in place. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I guess that um, you talked about the legislation, which I think is personal grievance in relation to sexual harassment. That's, That's right, yeah. So yeah. the length of time, I think, is changing for that. So yeah, from mm. 90 days to a year or something, which yep. is, and I yep. guess hopefully everyone's aware of this because this affects all of our yes. all of our members. Absolutely. Um, which essentially means, and please correct me, but if, if you, normally you have to raise something in 90 days, 90 but days, now right. you can raise something that's happened over the last 12 months. That's right. And that's still relevant, yes. Yep. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Mm. Yep. Yes, so that's correct. Legislative change. Now, how much of your time is spent in the, I was going to say pseudo-legal, but it's probably purely legal, legal documentation, um, getting the mm. legalities yep. correct. Yeah. Um, is that a lot of your day and, and time? Um, it's not every day, no, but it is from time to time. So it depends what's happening, you know, in your business um, and in the broader kind of legislative sense. So I'm, I'm sure for those people who Fair Pay Acts are yes. affecting right, or the Fair Pay Act, is affecting right here right now mm. I'm sure they're knee deep in it and have been for months and months and months that hasn't affected me at this point in time okay so so I'm not having to spend a huge amount of time on it a, a, a sort of a good a reasonable knowledge of it is is enough yes um however if I was in you know was with the bus drivers or one of those companies that it's affecting yep. I would absolutely be up to here with it and probably nothing else would exist for a little while until you'd got that sort of um underway and a plan in place um, okay. for, to progress that so it does depend you know from yes. time to time what's what's happening so we do you know generally as HR practitioners I think when the government changes you sort of mentally say to yourself oh, okay in six months you know what are we going to have to change because this legislation will be repealed or this will come in and, and supersede that so so those kind of things will will happen as well so we're kind of looking forward to October and then probably it'll be about March that we'll have to <laughs> start, start running around changing things <laughs> oh no and look with fair pay agreements so you you obviously have drivers you have a retail um aspect do you, do you think you'll be covered by lots of different yeah um, we don't have drivers as such we okay. have delivery people Deliveries, okay. yeah so our some of our employees have uh, company vehicles and that's a delivery vehicle if it's needed to okay. to take to the customers so we're not covered by that particular Great. particular piece fortunately at this at this point in time fair mm. enough oh, good mm. to hear good to hear because mm. I, I know i mean we're still we don't know what we don't know yet about these no we don't agreements no we don't <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting it is going to be interesting um so again when we've we've gone into a bit of the changes but the, the biggest changes you've seen which you've explained what do you think the biggest changes are coming ahead maybe next 10 years or 20 mm. years in in the human resource space mm. so i think there's a lot of talk isn't there always about and a lot of noise really and chatter about hybrid working mm. so which i think is fine you know it's okay to continue to have those conversations and i think you know the pandemic changed that forever you know and people can work at the the beach or at home or at the batch or or, yeah. or wherever and i think that's that's absolutely fine there's a huge swathe of employers and employees that's simply not an option. Yeah. You know, they're customer-facing, they're service-based um, workers, and it's just not a thing yeah. for them. True. So I think for those guys, there's going to be different changes, and we'd have to look at different things like it's the four-day week. You know, mm. a reasonable thing to look at is unlimited leave, something we would we, we should be looking at for, yes. for those kind of people. Because we do find it difficult, um, New Zealand in, as a whole finds it difficult to attract, you know, service workers, hospital workers, yeah. you know, those, those, those kind of people. So we've got to think about, well, what will make that more attractive? Mm. And is it those kind of things? Is it the work-life balance? Is it more dollars? You know, is it probably a mixture of, of, of those kind of things? So I think they're 
things that we're going to that will become more normal. Okay. You know, it might be a nine day fortnight, you know, yes. for people, you know, those kind of things. So I don't 100%. think there's going to be a revolution, but I do think it'll be an evolution of those those types okay. of changes yeah, coming through, which I think is the right thing, because I think for office based workers, they've kind of got it going pretty good yeah, at this, at this point right. in time. right? That's <laughs> pretty good. Well, we had Charlotte Lockhart, who was um, four day week uh, spearheading that in, yeah. for New Zealand and abroad. And um, yeah, she's got some interesting things to say on another podcast if you want to look mm-hmm. at it. But mm-hmm. one of the things you said, Sarah, um, I, I've had a bit of a debate with my friends over this. And we're not sure where we land mm. on the hybrid or the sort of the remote working, mm. looking, looking that as a, as a perk um, as, as opposed to something that a business is deciding to do to downsize their office space and lease costs. Or mm. is it, do you think people are looking at it as a perk rather than um, something that maybe creates a bit more sustainability during pandemics and disasters going mm, forward? Mm. I think it's seen by different people as different things because okay. certainly um, I've had applicants um, in my current role, my previous role, said, well, we won't, I won't consider it unless there's a hybrid okay. working opportunity. Okay, that's interesting because hybrid also affects culture, you know, yes. and, and we all know culture drives uh, performance. So, so it is a challenge to get it right. Mm. And I think that tone has to be set by the leader and the leadership team. What is, what is hybrid and what are our expectations? It's got to be pretty, pretty clear. Yes. I think there is a group of employees who absolutely see it as a perk. Um, and I, I also think there's a whole group of um, employees who go, thank goodness we're back in the office. I can see my mates. I can go for lunch with them. You know, we can. I can go and see this person at this desk and it's easy to get stuff done. Because yeah. I think we've recognised that it is challenge, more challenging because you simply wouldn't make a phone call or team somebody, you know, for a quick chat about X or Y. Whereas yes. if you see them in the lunchroom, you'll chat to them about it. Yeah. So I think we've, you know, what we've, you know, we've gained, but we've also lost yes. a little bit there. Yeah. So I think it'll be here, but it has to be managed well Look, yeah, and led well. Great point. And you, you mentioned the, the culture word, which is something I know you must be like fully invested in. But even just with Corey's, you know, you've got you've got a workforce across Absolutely. the country. Absolutely. How how do you? Because mm. mm. um, essentially, you're working in a remote model. Mm. If you're from a mm. from a perspective of HR, mm. how how do you how do you build culture? And what tips and tricks could you share with mm. the members mm. on who are having the same issue? Yeah, I've worked in a lot of um, uh, organisations where we've had you know locations all across the country, and it has been something that is you know has always been a challenge. You yeah. do need to be very linked in with your people in okay. those in those areas and they very much need to you know know your name know what you do know who to call for x x y and z and i think that's the, that's the key is keeping all of that very familiar and very okay. comfortable for people um just this morning i get a call from 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 our gisborne branch you know she didn't need to ring me but she knows i know her i met her at our conference and she's like oh sarah will answer the question for me because yes. it's she's she's pressured and she hasn't got much time so she rings me and blah, blah, blah. i know i should have phoned da, da, da. so said, that's fine answer a question but here next time ring blah 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 okay you know they might be new but they're really nice you know and all, all of that kind of stuff um and things that we do and certainly we did this at burger king as well was we hold um a nationwide conference and we bring everybody together wow. and um with Corey's we did three days so three days two nights and we had a whole raft of work stuff okay. but we had a whole raft of fun things as well so Brilliant. quiz night and then we have a gala dinner and there's awards and you know there's all of that kind Love of it. great nice engagement stuff there's a photo booth so you have lots of fun and you know those kind of things that really bring the team together and then they've seen your face they've met you they've heard you present what you've presented they maybe come up and talk to you about it after mm. or you know but they know you they've got your number you know yep. and, and and that kind of thing so it's it's an ongoing thing okay. you can't do it once and then go oh well that's sweet we're all we're all good um you have to keep on keeping on 
that that, that mm. makes perfect sense to me. It's just so so raising profile and making yes. sure even digitally that everyone knows who everyone else is. Absolutely. And and I guess in the office when someone's closed their door or you know they're on the phone, you know not to approach them. Yes. But in a in a hybrid. You don't. You don't know no. if it's a good time to approach mm. or not. So mm. I guess um, the the approach is pick up the phone yep. if, if you're not yep. sure and you'll yep. figure it out that way. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Or we flick each other Teams messages yep. or for, for my team specifically, we've got our own Teams group and we chat okay. to each other through the day, you know, about that. So, you know, I can't find the blah, blah. That's usually me. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this file gone? Uh, <laughs> kind of stuff so you just chat to each other about about various things so, okay yeah. mm. and look i'm going to get into the dark world of deep fake and mention ai yes is this something that you are thinking about has it affected your world in any way it hasn't yet but there is quite a lot of talk about it okay. so core is part is part of a worldwide company called sonipar um and i'm sure there's a whole heap of work going on um on on ai there I don't know what it is, and we haven't really got into it in any deep way yet at Corey's, but I okay. do think it's something, it's a tool again, isn't it? It's a piece of technology that we can use for, you know, use for good, um, you know, for the good of the company and for the good of the customers. What it looks like yet, I don't know. Fair enough. So you haven't come across anyone who's obviously written a covering letter or resume no, using AI? Not that I can tell, so it's very good. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. I mean, yeah, good AI. Yes, is, yes, it's yeah. the quality of Must the questions amazing. you ask, I think, is, is what, yeah. I'm, what I'm picking up from the, yeah. the experts. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, are you guys experts off camera in AI? Anyone? No, looks like nobody. Mm-hmm. We're all aware of it, but no one's really yeah, no one's jumped in it. yet. Well, I know the kids are writing their essays using AI on occasion. I have yes. heard that. Whether that gets past the examiner or not, I don't know. Well, apparently there's um, te- technology that will, te- will supposedly tell if you've used AI. However, mm. AI is learning how to circumvent that technology, so wow. it's going to be a race. Mm, yeah, my daughter's doing is. law, so she's, yeah. she's facing this right now. Um, so I want to um, talk a little bit about the we've got we've got issues in New Zealand around inflation and the, the cost of living. I know that's yep. a big issue for businesses and individuals. Yeah, mm. But one of the second biggest issues is around staff attraction, retention. Yep. What what do you think we need to do in New Zealand to, to overcome this issue? And what, what about businesses? What, what should they be doing to try and make themselves competitive in a mm. very tight market? Mm. And we've suffered terribly in this very tight market from a labour perspective. Mm. You know, it's been very difficult with competitors, etc., as I'm sure a number of people have as well. And I think one of the best things, and we, you know, I go back to the culture, people, you know, people yeah. generally leave people, they don't leave yes. the name above the door. Um, so I think that is really, really key. And the other piece is the development piece. If you can't, you know, pay people more, mm. you can offer them more because people are very aware of their skill set and where they want to be and what they want to develop into yes. very often. So I think that's a really key kind of driver. And now we've got opportunities to do uh, development via, you know, lower cost. Mm. You know, you can do it using technology. And we're certainly, you know, um, very, very close with the LinkedIn learning. You know, we offer a huge range of sort of uh, training etc we're members of the EMA obviously and there's a huge amount of um, Mm. L&D that can be accessed through through the EMA you know and uh, and other organizations but we really try and do it in that way plus we put on things like the conference you know and bring people in and and, uh, we run recognition you know reward and recognition programs Mm. and those those kind of things and try and communicate as much as popular as as possible with our with our teams you know and to keep them very kind of kind of close yeah so I think it's all that good stuff you know there's not 
not a silver bullet, of course, unless you can hurl loads of money and that doesn't keep people for very long. No. Um, yeah, so I think it's a, a, a mixture of those things. Brilliant. That's some mm. great tips there, Sarah. And mm. you, you mentioned LinkedIn Learning, which I'm a big fan of, mm. and, and that's getting into the micro-credentials. And mm. do, do you, you know, because this is your industry, if on a resume, seeing a whole series of micro-credentials, does, mm. that, does that appeal to you as much as, say, a, a big, chunky degree? Um, as long as it's as long as it's relevant things and it's not a random selection, mm. you know, as long as they're uh, they're weaved together for okay. that person's skills and experience and the role that they're applying for, I've got no yeah, I've got no Brilliant. issue with it. Yeah. And what yeah. about the soft skill side of it, like you know, time management or mm. resilience? Are, are those things that mm. you would look for in a resume, or is it something that you just sort of? you know, get out of an interview process? I'd explore that very much at an interview process okay. um, and also through the reference process if I was, you know, if I had a particular area that I wanted to, to drill down more into, then I'd go use that via the reference process as well. If okay. I hadn't felt like I'd got quite enough at the interview, you know, then I'd say, well, you know, when we're taking the reference, can we ask specifically about blah, blah, blah and, yep. and that kind of stuff to, to understand that, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. And look, there's a bit of a um, bit of talk that soon every organisation is going to have to become a training provider yeah. because you won't get the skills and experience. You'll get the attributes, perhaps, yeah. or the or the passion, mm. and then you mm. have to craft people in. Mm. Are you are mm. you finding Absolutely. you're having to take that leap? You are. Yes. Absolutely. We've already always been open to to you know you know it's electrical wholesaling, and we don't we say we don't you don't need to have that experience. We'll okay. give you that experience and give you the training. And in our industry, there's a you know there's heaps of sort of product training and all of those kind of things and lots of knowledge around yeah. so we can we can provide that um, if we've got somebody with the right attitude okay. and, and the kind of enthusiasm and those kind of things that's nice. what we're really looking for mm. brilliant mm. and what about do, do your staff stick with the company do you have quite a, a long tenure we've got people with yeah like 40 years service oh wow some of them it's huge yeah so that's it's huge so great. I kind of break it down into thirds we've got some with about a third with really long service about a third with you know eight to twelve years kind of thing and then we've got a group with with three years and below okay you know that's kind of kind yeah. of how it seems seems to roll but we've got quite a mobile workforce we've got people who will move for, okay. the, for a role you know they'll move to a different branch around the country you know nice. done a bit of exiting out of Auckland particularly at the tail end of the pandemic they wanted to yeah. move to the region and then now they're wanting to move back <laughs> <laughs> So that's Don't, quite it's too expensive. It's, it's fine. There's a vacancy. We can make we can make that work. Brilliant. Yeah. So so we're try, kind of open to all to all options. Yeah. So flexibility, I think, is something you've obviously you know mastered, mm. which is which is good for everybody. But how do you feel about the um, talk about multi-dimensional? Um, you know, approaches to management. So mm. we've, you've got different tenure, but we've also got different demographics. We've got Gen Z, yeah. Gen Y, millennials. Do you place much stock in that sort of um, generational difference between workers? Not really, no. I think good people <laughs> are good people. Good. Um, and if you're a good leader, you can manage um, and lead all different types of people. Um, I don't. I don't think that... Um, I think, sure, your, your millennials might have a different um, ambitions, Perhaps to to someone from Gen X, yes, um, and that's that's fine. But but even millennials have different requirements to each other. Yeah, you know. So so yeah, I think as long as you've got got good leaders and and good people. Um, you should treat them all pretty much not the same, but you know, appropriately. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant, Sarah. Mm. Look, you have more than answered my questions, good. and I really appreciate the the information. And I'm hope, hoping you got a lot of good tips out of that. Is there anything else you wanted to to say? 
No, I think that's my first experience of a podcast, and it was quite exciting. So thank you for inviting me. Pleasure. Well, you're, you're a joy to have, and we're lucky to have you as a board member. And um, yeah, please watch this podcast and look out for our next series when we'll interview more of our esteemed board members. There's still about six or seven to go. So you know we have a, we have a good um, wealth of knowledge and, and expertise in our board. So thanks again for watching, and see you next time.